Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion. Today's guest is TJ Kastning. He's the owner of Ambassador Search Group, a Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, high-touch, relational, trust-based recruiting firm that focuses on providing success to clients and candidates. TJ runs the business based on the key idea that it is fundamental to produce long-lasting relationships. I'm super excited to have TJ here. He is a genuine entrepreneur and a great uh, great man, great business owner, and I'm really excited to have you here today, TJ. So let's start out with a little bit about you and um, how you got started or what your life was like before you started this firm. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steph. So I got into recruiting, uh, kind of like everybody got, gets into recruiting. Uh, you have no idea what it is and you stumble into it. Uh, before I did that, I was a little bit of a serial entrepreneur had done some stuff in uh, the leather industry ironically not mm -hmm. really connected um, but i had really learned through this website that i'd created about reviewing uh, high quality leather goods that quality in all things is just a good mantra to live by and worked my way up in the business, started as a researcher, went on to be a, a recruiter, finally went on to full, you know, what we in the business call uh, like a full desk recruiter, meaning you work with both clients and you work with candidates, spent a number of years doing that. And then um, for the last three years, I've been operating my own firm now. That's awesome. So what led you to decide to start the recruiting firm? I wanted to do it differently and better so and and we're all somewhat limited by our own perspective right and so in my perspective i'd seen some fairly transactional models of recruiting um, and just relationship development in general and i'd seen limitations in you know how consistently can we set up our candidates and our clients for success because of this transactional model and what can be done differently and you really have to approach the, the whole business from an entirely different mindset. And I was finding some contradictions there in, in my own mindset and um, I needed to get out of that, that atmosphere to, to do it differently. So tell me more about why you're passionate about doing recruiting um, differently and what makes your strategy unique. I'm passionate about recruiting because it's really an incredible opportunity and it's really a privilege to have a huge impact on teams and on people. So, because it's a, it's a, you're not just serving companies or you're, and you're not just serving candidates, right? It's gotta be both. It's gotta be both simultaneously. And it's a tremendous opportunity to have a, a big impact on a team because some of these people are extremely difficult to find. They don't have the resources um, or the specific uh, industrial knowledge of how to go about recruiting um, to affect some of these hires and, and we can come in and we can help with that. Um, it, sometimes it's just a matter of you need to talk to a thousand people to go find this person and we're good at that, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's also, it can be a real game changer to bring the right people to, the, to a team and to contribute their value to a team. I'm proud of that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm proud of the, the projects that uh, the people that we've placed have contributed on. Um, and then on the candidate side, 
You know, it's, it's similarly a privilege to be involved in somebody's life so quickly and unexpectedly. You know, so many of our candidates have said that they were just, you know, minding their own business, doing their job, not really thinking about making a change. And then suddenly this recruiter calls them, maybe one of many recruiters who calls them. And, you know, through a difference in the presentation and the opportunity and how that's all articulated is realized, you know, this might be a, a better opportunity. And lo and behold, it was. Mm-hmm. And in a very short amount of time, you know, sometimes maybe two weeks to a month or so, you know, we're, we're helping that person affect a change in their career for the better. And it might improve their commute or their compensation or the quality of the people they work with or their projects, um, give them more responsibility, what have you. And that's really neat. I think that's a, that's a special opportunity to be able to contribute to people's lives like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a lot of, a lot of power um, and a lot of opportunity. It's great that you take it so seriously. You're not just trying to, you know, fill the holes because you said that you would. Um, So uh, when we last spoke, you told me about a really interesting um, concept uh, called, is the wiggle the brick technique that Mm, you, um, tell me a little bit about what that is and and why you do it. Sure. So it is not unusual for us to make um, over a thousand calls per completed search. Uh, and some can be significantly more depending on how nuanced and specific the search is. And many times you'll have just a set number of people in the industry. And I think of that industry as a little bit like a brick wall. And, you know, with, with older brick walls, you're going to have certain bricks that loosen up. So we go through and wiggle each brick, right? We talk to each person and, in one month, that person may be set, right? And then we talk to that person two months later and their situation may have changed. And so it's a, it's a bad habit to make an assumption that just because I talked to this person two months ago, you know, they're not gonna wanna talk, to, talk again, nothing's changed, what have you. Many times we go back and we talk to the person and they've had some time to think about it. They've realized, no, there actually are some things in my, my job or career that I've been ignoring or you know, something bad happened, they got a review they didn't agree with or what have you, and the brick wiggles, right? And that's an, a recruiter's opportunity to improve that person's uh, outcome. Um, and that's how you go about filling a, a difficult search uh, when you know, it may not be that a lot of people in that space are really looking to make a change. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. You, you get them, get them thinking a little bit and asking them the right questions and uh, having them see, are they really fulfilled and, and happy in the position that they're, they're currently in or, or is there room to grow? Um, and maybe, maybe it gets them asking questions they wouldn't have asked before. So um, just to provide a little context for listeners, we're in um, the middle, I beginning, who knows, of this COVID-19 crisis. Um, uh, some states are opening up and hiring, um, you know, so businesses are hiring, uh, but it's a kind of a crazy time for, for businesses and for, uh, for candidates. So what, uh, what do you think that candidates can be doing right now to prepare themselves for the workforce or, um, you know, get in while other people are, are giving up? Yeah, well, there's this there's this word that's been going around. It's a little bit of a trendy word. I'm not a huge fan, but it's called upskilling. 
And the idea is, you know, that you're just improving your abilities. And I would just, and this is, this isn't just for, you know, when there's times of crisis, really anytime we should be focusing on growing ourselves, but having a focus on expanding one's perspective, expanding one's leadership capabilities, expanding the technical know-how to do your job mm-hmm. is really, really critical because, you know, who knows what the next year looks like for us, right? It could be, um, could be really difficult, could be life back to normal. Either way, you're not going to regret bringing more cards to the table when it comes time to do a review or negotiate for a new job or what have you. Um, the more capable you are, the more attractive you are as a candidate. Mm-hmm. And so can't go wrong by just continuing to improve in yourself. Read books, masterclass, uh, find a mentor, um, anything to, to grow. Yeah, absolutely. So what, um, how do you go about, where do you start when you start looking for a candidate? Hmm. Where do we start? That's a little bit of a tough question because we have a, a pretty large database and I guess that would be the place you, you initially start. But many times the people that we, we end up narrowing down on, they're not on anybody's database. They're not really on anybody's radar. And then those people are found through referrals. Um, so we'll start in the database, but we'll expand to any realm of data that we can find where these people may exist with this certain skill set that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really puzzle fitting process, right? Because every search is different. Um, the the skill sets, the associations, the networks, the companies. Um, and so every strategy for each search is going to be a little bit different as well. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're looking for a candidate, um, are you looking for the, um, the skill set fit or how important is it that, uh, that the culture fits as well? And how do you look for that? Culture is number one. For sure. Mm-hmm. And when I say culture, I don't mean beer in the fridge and a ping pong table. Mm-hmm. Um, although those things can be great. Uh, what I really mean is um, a lot of integrity in the company, a lot of discipline in how the work is executed, uh, not a lot of chaos, or or if it is chaos, it's, it's managed chaos, um, accountability, um, good leadership, you know, leadership that's investing in people. And then I look for corresponding traits in the candidates, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you look at companies with great culture, there's a lot of different personalities that companies have, but the core fundamental elements of great companies are those things that I, that I mentioned, discipline and integrity and good leadership. And you need somebody that can thrive in those kind of environments. The you could go to a hundred different companies, all having dramatically different cultures, and as long as they have those elements in place, the person can be successful. There's going to be different elements to navigate, different personalities to understand, and that's just life, right? Uh, you're not going to find a situation where you're going to always fit perfectly. Um, there's always going to be a problem-solving element to anybody's career. So, culture fit first, and culture fit is is really about um, the core fundamentals of, of running a great business, discipline, accountability, 
leadership. So I'm curious, have you um, come across uh, companies who are ready, willing, and eager to find, say, a handful of candidates and give you the, their, your commissions or however you, you um, get your, uh, your payment, but they are lacking in some of those areas? And if so, how do you handle that? Yeah, so that's one of the ways that we help uh, our clients is sometimes we have a little bit of perspective from the opportunity we have to work with so many different firms and see different ways of solving problems. We can make suggestions on, you know, how somebody should be interviewed or should there be an additional level of vetting or do certain questions need to be asked. And we'll bring as much of those resources to bear to help that decision be made properly. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, it's the client's decision. And, and if a client says, you know, I really want to hire this person, unless there is a, you know, something really out of order where I need to disclose to the candidate, that, hey, there may be a problem here. That's their call, right? It's their investment. Um, and there's been times where I've been not really sure about a hire and the client has been, and they were right, mm -hmm. you know? So their company, their investment, their team, uh, that's their decision. But we want to empower them to make as good of a decision as possible. Mm -hmm. So we'll bring to bear as much information as we can about the candidate uh, that we have worked together to find and help the team to discover as much information so that they can make that decision as conscientiously as possible. Are there any suggestions that you have to help um, kind of goes both ways to help a, um, a company execute a successful uh, interview process or and ha help the candidate kind of do their part in, in the interview process as well, making sure that they're asking the questions that they need to. Yeah, absolutely. And this might not be as complicated as, as some people might think. I would recommend thinking about it like you're meeting a new friend and maybe you're having a new friend over to your house for dinner. And so what are the elements of that? The first is hospitality. So if you're having somebody come into your business and interview and spend their time to meet with you, there really needs to be a heart of hospitality towards those candidates. Uh, get them coffee, get them water. Uh, don't put them under a lot of pressure. Don't make them very nervous. Put them at ease, calm them down. Let, ask them questions that let them open up and trust you, build trust with them, build respect with them. Um, and as you go through this process, it really shouldn't be a process of one party sort of interrogating the other. It really needs to be a collaborative problem solving process of determining fit, mm -hmm. right? Because the way you're going to really determine a fit is when you're both on the same team and you're both wanting the same objective, which is if this is a good fit, let's move forward. If it's not a good fit, let's not move forward. But so many times candidates are in a wrong mindset of, I've just got to win the job. Mm -hmm. And it's a terrible mindset to be in. And then hiring authorities are thinking far too critically. They're, they're, there's a certain sovereign unilateral authority that a, a hiring authority has to say yes or no. And that can really conceal some weaknesses in their ability to, to demonstrate hospitality to a candidate, get to know them in a low pressure environment, mm -hmm. uh, collaborate with them and give them an idea of like, what's, what is it really gonna be like to work here? A lot of hiring authorities are just a little bit too high strung. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say that for number one, mm -hmm. hospita hospitality. Um, and then on top of that, really careful listening. So that collaborative process really needs to be a process of, of each party listening very carefully to the needs of each other and the questions of each other and be focused on being completely transparent through that process. And there should be a lot of follow-up questions if everybody is carefully listening and being transparent because what happens is you start at one level, tell me about yourself, and they, so they share some, some useful information and then you say, well, tell me about that, right? And so you go down a level, right? And then they share some more information and be like, oh, this is very interesting. Tell me about that. And you go down another level, right? And your goal is to go as deep as possible. And the reason this is so valuable is the more you go deep, the one, the more difficult it is to deceive. Mm -hmm. Super valuable. If somebody's putting on a front, you'll know very quickly because the story falls apart, right? We're not capable of lying in, in complex ways. Uh, and, and two, it really shows a genuine interest in the candidate, right? And, and that candidate should reciprocate appreciating that interest, appreciating an opportunity to contribute to the dialogue and volunteering as much, all this information. And so you get to the end of the process where there's been a lot of careful listening and a lot of follow-up questions, and each party should have a very clear understanding of who the other party is and how they might fit together. And then they can start having a conversation about what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it sounds more like a dating process than a hierarchical, what can you do for me process. Absolutely. It's right. got to work long-term for both parties. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if you go in, if you go in soft and just trying to learn about each other, then you're more likely to determine if that's a good fit yeah. personality-wise first, oh. and then figure out the skill set. Yes. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Candidates really should really be focused on learning how they can contribute the most and managers should be focused on understanding what it's going to take to make this person successful in the organization. Mm. So mm. a lot of times the focus is on like, do they have the skills to come in here and be successful? And frankly, it's very rare that my, my client says, here's the person we're looking for and I deliver them exactly what they're looking for. Because mm -hmm. you just don't, humans don't come in like pre-boxed, you know, happy meal size, uh, made to order uh, portions. They, it's just, humans are very different, right? So inevitably positions end up getting tailored around the individual to some degree. And I think a really important responsibility that hiring authorities have is tailoring the opportunity to that person and paying very close attention in the interview process to what does my commitment to this individual look like to make them successful in this role? Mm -hmm. Because if, if I hire somebody to do a job for me and that person fails, it's my fault, mm -hmm. right? It, now there may be some, some, some fault that that person, some ownership that person needs to take of the, of the failure. But at the end of the day, it's, I'm a leader, I'm responsible for the outcomes and I need to be thinking about how do I make this person successful? And if I don't, if I don't think I can make them successful, then I shouldn't hire them. That's a really great point. It's going back to the, the leadership role. So um, how much do you see in your um, relationships, a, the HR team versus the direct management and, and upper 
level leadership getting involved in the hiring process and to what extent do you feel like those are necessary? I would always recommend senior leadership to stay involved in hiring processes in larger organizations to sample the hiring process to maintain a certain level of quality control and in smaller organizations to be intimately involved in it. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's simple, it's because hiring is going to determine the future of your company, the quality of the individuals and the, the commitment level and the education level and the talent level that you're bringing in that that's your roadmap right there, right? Those are the problem solvers that you're going to be sending after your, your problems. So pay really close attention to that and, uh, don't lose track of who your hiring authorities are, who the interviewers are, where their skill levels at. Uh, for HR teams, you know that's a HR is a really really tough job because on one hand you've got the administrative side of things, on the other hand you've got the people side of things, and a lot of HR teams end up getting saddled with management responsibilities that that the direct line managers or the owners, depending on the size of the company, really need to be taking on themselves, and they think, oh, I can outsource this this hiring to this person. And it's a lot of times it can be a recipe for um, reduced results because that, that HR person is, might be a little bit more risk mitigation minded because they're worried about their job. They may not necessarily feel the weight of the problem that's trying to be solved with the hiring of this person, like a manager would, or like an owner would. And, that's a difficult position to be in because then they also bear the risk of, well, this hire goes bad. It's going to reflect poorly on me. And so that can be just a crippling, vicious little cycle of responsibility and blame mm -hmm. um, that they really shouldn't have to be under. They can though really contribute a lot to making sure the talent process stays running properly. So uh, making sure that, that hiring authorities are seeing candidates, and then also making sure that there's the right context and environment and interviewing techniques being put into assessing those candidates. I think that's a really important function of HR. So you mentioned um, starting off with a question, uh, you know, a set of questions that may be personal and then you dig deeper. Um, what are some examples of some opening questions, both on the candidate and the um, company side? I really like the approach to, to put the candidate at ease, to tell them the interview hasn't started yet. Mm -hmm. And this is, can be true in a sense, and it's not true in a sense, because the interview started, you know, when they sent in their resume, in a sense, right? Because everything's always an interview. But in another sense, it's like, we're, we're not going to start worrying about all the technical details of the interview yet. Like, I want to just get to know you as a person. Like, just start with, hi, how are you? How was your day? How was your week? You know, what kind of, what kind of problems are you solving? What are you, what were you really excited about? Um, I wouldn't recommend anybody ask a specific, like, here's the question to ask, but more of a mindset of hospitality. How can I put this person at ease? You know, let's let's uh, let's hold off on putting the interview on right now. Like, just I'm just really interested to know about you. You know, what are you passionate about? Um, let that person show you what's interesting about them. Don't put a bunch of pressure on them. 
And as you develop that rapport and as they realize like, hey, I can, I can trust myself with this person. This person is interested in me as a person, as a human and not as a, as a subject of the interview, of the subject of the interrogation, then the rest of the interview can really go along quite smoothly uh, and transparently. Don't go anywhere. I'm just taking a short break to thank one of our sponsors, 5D Show Services. 5D is a full-service trade show, display, graphics, and services company with over 30 years of experience. They partner with companies of all sizes to help plan and execute the best trade shows and events on time and on budget. I've worked with Danny at 5D for over 15 years and continue to be impressed with the level of service and quality he and his team provide. For more information on their capabilities, visit 5dshowservices.com. That's the number 5D showservices.com from a candidate side you know you being a recruiter obviously there's particular skills that you need to um, you need to find and make sure that they're fitting the the um, the needs of the company what do you um, what do you look for in a resume, a LinkedIn profile, a you know digital presence uh, overall, or is it specific to the roles? Um, we look for clarity. We look for attention to detail. We look for a what's the word? There's a certain care that some people show in their LinkedIn profiles and their resume that shows that they understand the value of presentation. And for sales oriented roles or leadership oriented roles, that is a very valuable tool to understand why it's important to not give another person something to trip over visually or what have you. Um, and so you tend to see with strong candidates in the leadership and the sales space, or management space, a little bit more put togetherness. There's, you're not gonna see spelling errors, you shouldn't see spelling errors. Um, profile picture should be professional, right? No, no driving selfies. <laughs> I don't know what is up with those driving selfies on LinkedIn, but they're everywhere. Um, and it doesn't need to be robust. Uh, it's not about, here's the 20 KPIs, uh, it, I've seen beautiful resumes for amazing people where the description is one hard hitting sentence. And I love to see the diversity of the ways people go about putting together their profiles. Um, so I just say be very intentional, you know, go through each part and just think about what about this reflects who I am mm -hmm. and own it, be proud of who you are. Um, and maybe if you don't know, that's a, an indicator of maybe you should spend some time thinking about this to decide what you want to communicate in this area of your profile or your resume or your candidacy. So I just had a, a long conversation with someone who um, is kind of mid-career and realizing that um, she's having a hard time finding a position that values her drive to to grow um and her her willingness to give uh and 
uh, you know, passion for, you know, just doing great things and giving back in the world. Um, all the things we talk about on MVP uh, business. So what would be your recommendation to someone like that to find the company or the businesses that, um, that value those types of, um, it, it seems like most companies would, you know, say that they value those traits, but not all of them do, or maybe, maybe some of the mid managers don't. So what, how would a candidate go about finding those companies when, you know, they're looking at the, the web or what, you know, think classifieds if there is such a thing anymore. <laughs> sure. Well, okay. The answer I'd give to that is probably not as simple as you're looking for because one of the things we observe is when people are not seeing the success that they want to see in their career, many times the answer is not outside of them, it's inside of them. Mm -hmm. And because we are the only element that we can control, it's, it's, it really puts the onus on us of like, if you're not getting the results, like check the inputs, right? And so I would have a conversation with your friend about the circumstances that they've experienced and what their contribution looked like and what their strategy looked like because we see a lot of people and I, I don't know anything about this particular story um, so I'm speaking total generalities but you see people who have a perpetual dissatisfaction with a company for one reason or another and, and there's a certain pattern to their career moves and you ask them okay you know okay why'd you make that change why'd you make that change and that change and it's problem with the company, they didn't recognize me, they didn't live up to their promises. And at some point it's like, okay, th there are companies out there that'll take advantage of you and fail to recognize your value. But if it's a pattern, maybe there's something that needs to change from a communication standpoint, from an ownership standpoint. Maybe I've seen people who are extremely ambitious and they simply don't wanna do the grunt work. They wanna do the exciting earth-shaking work and the company's like look like we love that in you but we also need you to like do this normal stuff too or earn it you know um sometimes sometimes the ambitious people and i'd count myself amongst the, the these as well um at least in the past is just haven't been willing to do the hard work to earn the place in the company place of trust and respect where they get to do what they want to do Right. Um, so sometimes the grass seems greener on the other side of the fence, but the grass is also greener where you water it. And sometimes, sometimes it's just a matter of looking deeper inside yourself. Um, the, to flip this script a little bit and talk about the companies, I would have a really open and transparent conversation about some of the frustrations that your friend has had in the past with hiring authorities communicate these things to them and, and be very explicit about the kind of impact that she's trying to have and what she's willing to do for that and, and leave no cards under the table. Mm -hmm. They're all there. They're all face up and see what they do with it. So do they get really excited? Mm -hmm. Do they start uh, brainstorming on the, like, here's how we can leverage this or does that kind of freak them out a little bit? Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're, and, and how do we set those expectations? It's like, look, like I'm not coming in to just be your average, like 
punch the clock employee. Like I want to do more. I want to achieve more. I want to be more. How can I do that with your firm and put a plan together? You know, can we, can we put some kind of plan together where I can earn this place in your company? Who right. doesn't want to that person? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's one of the um, things that I mentioned. I uh, have been in the, privileged seat of uh, being in the hiring position several times. And uh, for several of those those positions that we were hiring for, it was entry level. And um, one of the things I, I would always find that our candidates would um, be embarrassed or, you know, they'd say, well, I didn't put this on my resume because it's not really, you know, it doesn't uh, pertain to our industry, uh, things like that. And I would always say, well, you know, if you were if you were a waiter, were you head waiter? If you worked at you know whatever um, you know fashion store, did you find yourself being the closing manager? You know, did you find yourself in leadership positions without even realizing that you were asking to be put there? Um, and I think that's one of the things that I find really interesting about people. Um, there are people who seek leadership, and there are people who find themselves in leadership positions because of the personality they have. And so when people are seeking leadership uh, roles, I often wonder, have you, how often have you just found yourself there or been put there without being asked? And if you haven't, then maybe you're not quite doing something right. Maybe you're pushing too hard or you're pushing the wrong buttons or you are offending the people who are in leadership because you are saying what you disagree with versus you know, how can we, you know, do this thing together and make sure that we're on the same path together. So I've always found that really interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. Leadership is not, has nothing to do with hierarchy. Mm -hmm. You want to be a leader in a company, like be a servant, be like, make other people successful. So I always tell candidates, I want to see everything on your resume. Like, I don't care if it has anything to do with my this industry or or whatever, I want to know everything. Um, one, because I want them to come transparently and authentically. But two, like you mentioned, there can be a lot of things that actually translate in very surprising ways. And if a candidate is carefully curating what they're putting out there, what they may actually be doing is harming their candidacy because mm-hmm. they're failing to leverage some valuable piece of experience that they don't right. realize is valuable. And that's a great, that's a great example is how much are you stepping up and being a leader when there's not a specific title or there's not recognition or um, if you, if you don't have the, the title of a leader, are you still a leader? That's, that's who I consider as a real leader. Like you mm-hmm. strip away the entire hierarchy and you look at who's contributing the most to the organization from a, a value standpoint, that's that's your leader, right? And everybody knows who that person is. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you can take away all the titles, evaluate everybody, they'll know who the leaders are. Be a leader and the companies, companies see it. I mean, the, the war for talent is so vicious. Um, so when I hear people talking about, I can't get a company to recognize my value, it's like, you know, maybe there's some bad luck there, um, but there's some pretty ferocious competition going on for really talented leaders 
And if you are really talented, um, I don't really think you should be having that experience. So, so once again, once again, going back to, you know, look internally and, and grow, you know, mm-hmm. it's easy to be ambition. Ambition is cheap. Talk is cheap, right? Right. It's execution that matters. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm really glad you mentioned the word servant, um, being in the service of others. And I think that um, that's something that most people don't think about when they're thinking about a resume or being a candidate for uh, any position at all, or, or when they start a position at a, at a new company, that of course there are particular um, skills that you need to have and roles that you need to fill. But if you think of it as being in the service of your customers and your company, then you will find the things that need to be done in your role and in other roles. Um, And so the more you think about being in the service of others, the more likely you will organically grow into the, um, the roles that you are wanting to grow into. Absolutely. And that's an individual taking on the mindset that you see in so many successful companies like uh, Disney, I think has this mindset. Um, Southwest airlines, has this mindset, Zappos has this mindset where you go to their customer service and you need something done and they're not going to tell you like, oh, you have to talk to this other department and here's a form and I'm going to transfer you and none of that. Like they're empowering people to make decisions because the leadership is clear on what they want to accomplish. They've empowered the people to be clear on what they want to accomplish and everybody knows here's who I need to serve, you know? Um, and those companies are composed of people who have that mindset that you just described, being very clear about what, what is my role here. It's not just an administrative function. There's a person out there somewhere in the company or in the world that I'm responsible for making happy. Mm-hmm. I have another shout out. This one is to Wimberly Films. This is a husband and wife team that loves the art of filmmaking. With over 20 years of experience capturing the magic of life and business, they transform moments and memories into tangible treasures. I've seen these folks in action and it's amazing. Their work is breathtaking. To see some of their work, look them up on Facebook or visit their website, wimberlyfilms.com. That's wimberlyfilms.com. So what are you doing in your quest to be a better leader? Uh, reading. I do a lot of reading. What are you reading uh, right now? Like right this now, moment in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, um, the team and I are going through this book, uh, The Trusted Advisor. Oh, yeah. This has been a, a pretty transformative book. Uh, for us and I think it's a book that you can just continue reading over the years and and it'll continue to to shape your mind um, in it in synopsis it's uh, it's all about authenticity it's about listening very carefully it's about putting the interest of other people before your own um, pretty simple stuff that in the tactical application of business can be difficult to think through so I found the book really helpful uh, another book that's been really interesting is this book. I love the title of this book. This book just slaps you right in the face. 
It's um, Your Own Worst Enemy, Breaking the Habit of Adult Underachievement. And uh, it's an older book. And I would recommend it for anybody who's serious about achievement because um, there's just always ways that you can grow and take more ownership and, and be more accountable in your life. And it's, it's helped me just take things more seriously. And in many ways, I feel like life is just a process of learning how to take things more seriously. And I don't mean somberly, I mean to just do things well. And what it's made me realize, especially as a manager, that, that we all have these habits of giving ourselves excuses and not taking as much ownership of things that we need to and not enjoying the freedom that comes with ownership over our lives. Um, and so I, I really respect this guy, uh, Jocko Willink. He's got a podcast and talks a lot about leadership. And one of his mantras is discipline equals freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, this book is very much in the same line. It's just, you know, bring discipline to your life and, and that will, that will bring you freedom. So I want to, I want to do a little shout out because this is probably the fourth time in, um, in MVP has been on for three months. And it's the fourth time that either Jocko or Laith have been brought up during um, during the podcast, and it's so cool because uh, Laith Fabin used to live right down the street from me, and I no I welcome him to the neighborhood uh, because they have a little boy that is uh, redheaded, just like my little boy. And so I, I brought my little boy in the wagon over <laughs> and I knocked on the door and I gave him a plant and I said, welcome to the neighborhood. And like, oh, come on in. And you know, you guys come swim anytime. And then um, I, I, I learned later that, um, that the woman, first of all, I was like, we're going to be best friends. <laughs> she, you know, she's my age. We have little red kids. And then I was like, oh my gosh, she's kind of famous. Like, oh my, can I call her? And then oh, he's kind of famous too. <laughs> I was all um, embarrassed. And, uh, but they're, they're amazing people. And yes, the way they think about business and they think about leadership, um, Leif and Jocko are phenomenal. Uh, and so is uh, Jenna. I'll do a shout out to Smarter News, her business as well, because they are all very, very smart. Uh, I've got to look that up. Phenomenal people. What was the name of her of her operation, Janelle? Smarter News. It's Smart Her News. Um, she's a website and then um, does a lot of um, short stories or say news stories on Instagram. Great. That's awesome. Very cool. cool stuff. So. That is that is a really cool story. I hope I hope that you should tell Leif that. That's that's awesome. Well, I, literally the last, not the last, but the interview before that I did, um, I was talking to someone and they mentioned it, and I you know just let it fly by. And but I texted him afterwards, and I'm like, I I'm so proud to know you guys. I, I keep every time I have a conversation, or um, you know somebody's given away the book at a seminar or something, I feel like hey, I don't know them. But, um, yeah. but they are just phenomenal people with great ideas. That's cool. That's awesome. Well, they've inspired a lot of people. And the clarity with which Jocko is putting out ideas is really helpful. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's good thinking. Um, and obviously, everybody's going to put their own spin on everything. And, um, and that's fine. But, but yeah, a lot of, I have a lot of great gratitude towards them for the investment that they've made in people through the stuff they put out for free and the podcast a lot of good good material absolutely they're great people um 
so in, in all of the things that you've done so far in, in your business and in your life, what are you most grateful for? Mm. The support of my wife. Yeah. Uh, she's, yeah, can you hear him? <laughs> yeah, and my one-year-old son, he just turned uh, one last Tuesday. And, you know, the success in life is really meaningless if it's not shared with people. And um, so whatever success that I'm able to achieve, it's going to be with them and for them and because of them. And um, so definitely my family. What are you passionate about? Helping people. Mm -hmm. I think recruiting is a really beautiful venue for helping people for listening and solving problems. Um, I think someday I, I hope to, to do more helping people in other areas, other ways, right? Um, right now, recruiting is, is plenty of challenge, especially in today's economic environment. But um, that's something I've learned over the last maybe 10 years is the value of building really strong relationships through helping people do what they're trying to do and not be concerned about where you might uh, profit or benefit from that. Mm -hmm. And that's really rich. You know, you build a lot of great friendships and um, it's just a, just a great way to live. So that's, that's my business philosophy. It's my life philosophy. That's beautiful. Where do you find your inspiration? For, for, for what specifically? Because it comes from all, all sorts of places. Mm -hmm. I think in general, in life, you know, what makes you feel inspired might be a better way to state sure. it. I, I like reading a lot. I think it's incredible how much value books bring. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, the author of, of Trusted Advisor, um, Charles Green, he spent a good portion of his life learning these these truths and he spent a bunch of time to put them in a book and i can buy that book for 15 20 or used on amazon for five dollars they'll ship it to my house and you can consume that book in i don't know a few days of reading and know if you're paying attention know what he learned over his entire life and you can do this for any person and i, I just find that incredibly perspective broadening because you know I'm 31 pretty young feel younger almost every day because you just realize how little you know and the more perspective I can get the more I feel capable of hitting problems from different directions especially in recruiting where you know the, the model has been very transactional and in some ways I feel like it's broken not entirely. There's a lot of great recruiters out there. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I, I get a lot of inspiration from them. But in some ways, we need to step up our game as an industry and, and sell better, sell better solutions for our clients and our candidates. And I love reading the perspectives of other leaders and other business professionals to figure out how to do that. You know, it's not just about learning from recruiters. It's about learning from Theodore Roosevelt. How did he solve problems? Mm -hmm. One of the things that um, 
I learned from Tony Robbins and I still don't do it um, to the extent that I could, but it's a lot of what you're saying is that you can, you know, why learn, try to learn the lessons of life yourself throughout your lifetime when you can pick up a book or pick up the phone, you know, or, you know, now message someone, someone through LinkedIn and learn from the experts or from the people who have, you know, gone through whatever you're about to go through, um, you know, how they handled it and then, you know, break down what was, what was their plan, their path, their plan, their physiology, what, it, what was their mindset when they went into it and how can I learn from that versus try to, you know, go through the whole lot mm. of your life and then look back at when you're 70, 80, 90 and go, Oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> right. You just, yeah. Eleanor Roosevelt said that um, you're not going to live long enough to make all the mistakes yourself. Mm. You just don't have enough time. And so if you really want to, what I take from that is if you really want to do something, um, you've got to be able to, you got to be capable of learning from the mistakes of other people, which really requires humility because you've got to admit to yourself, I don't know it all. And that's, it's hard. I mean, I, I think probably one of the worst thing that adults one of the things adults are the worst at is asking questions, like not being confident. Um, there's, there's times to be confident, but there's also times to just abandon confidence and embrace curiosity and bewilderment. Mm -hmm. If we would be more bewildered at things like coronavirus, for example, totally bewildered. I, I have no idea what's going on. There's so many different sources saying so many different things about what's the reality. I don't know. And, and that is, I think, a tremendous freedom to not have to come to a conclusion all the time. Mm -hmm. Just study it, just gather information and, and withhold coming to some quick conclusion. Because um, oftentimes there's a better conclusion out there waiting if you're just willing to mull on it and refine it and gather more information and come to it a little bit more slowly. That's an absolutely fantastic way to look at life. I think we all need to slow ourselves down. And that's, that's one of the things that I've learned the most from the coronavirus uh, is when you mentioned it earlier, as far as um, taking ownership um, or moving too quickly in that whole conversation. One of the things I thought about is when I was younger, I thought I needed to get everything done quickly. And so I made a lot more mistakes and now I slow myself down and do my best to do it right and make less mistakes. But in that, um, I'll be turning 40 this year. And this is the first time I think ever that I've like allowed myself to just be slow for a little while. And it's not out of choice. <laughs> this forced slowness, slowness. Um, and it's, uh, it's a gift. Um, but it's also torture <laughs> for me. I know what you mean, but it's, yeah, that's the, that's just the beautiful thing. And, and sometimes we have to have those situations forced on us. Like I think I have had that forced on us as well. You know, we went from just absolutely, uh, slammed to, you know, probably 50% of our searches going on pause and that's a great opportunity to just step back and reevaluate what are my priorities? What's the long-term strategy? Let's, let's 
gain more perspective and context and um, it's a good time to just be reinvesting in the thought process away from the madness you know in so many different ways in family and in all of your your social life and in your work and your business um, definitely not a time to be binging netflix no you know it's interesting i don't think i've watched any tv at all still and it's it's um may what sixth i don't know what it is oh fit it's the cinco de mayo um uh yeah so i don't i don't think i've turned on the tv except you know when my kids watch things here and there but we've been exploring you know out in hill country um and i've done a lot of thinking a lot of reading some sitting and looking out the window or sitting on the porch and uh you know listening to the birds um and everybody's talking about all this tv i'm like what? what? How? Yeah. I feel like there's still not time for that. And it's because it's, I just don't value it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Changing those affections to value something that's more uh, meaningful, long-term meaningful, pretty valuable. That's cool. Yeah. Love it. I've had the same experience. Good. Yeah. I know uh, we've, we've kind of asked each other uh, what books we've been reading and I want to continue uh, continue that conversation because it sounds like we're kind of on the same mindset as far as uh what we're what we're looking for what we're consuming mentally right now mm -hmm. oh um check what i got all right synchronicity that it came is, in yesterday i love it i have mine right over here as well and source is the next one but you don't have to get it yet. <laughs> there are so many books on leadership. I, at some point, I'm going to have to decide to stop reading leadership books and move on to some other subject because I think there are literally probably thousands. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's the thing. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, all the different religions as well. You can learn so much, but there's always something more to learn is the interesting uh, thing about these concepts. Um, yeah, I, I find it fascinating. Um, so on that note, um, what do you see as your next steps in the future? I know um, they, I've gone through this uh, metamorphosis over the last um, month of the way that I've processed my business. And it sounds like you have had to kind of go through a similar process. Um, has How much has that changed what you thought was your trajectory or um, you know, what are you thinking is next for you now? Hmm. I feel ex feel very excited for the future. I think the next step is progressively growing and getting better at clarifying. And this is, I guess, I'm answering this from a business perspective, but clarifying the decision-making process for both the candidate and the client. And this is a, a, an aspect of our business that we've been investing a lot of time and energy into bringing the right tools to bear, the right mindset, the right techniques to facilitate as seamless a process as possible of them getting to know each other in a transparent way. Mm. Um, because, because just like I was talking about with hospitality on the, on the, Part of the hiring authority there really needs to be hospitality on our part there's a big part of what we do that sets this introduction and sets the tone of the pace of the relationship 
And that is something that we just want to always be improving in and getting um, refining the candidate and the client experience. So I've appreciated the, the slowdown a little bit because it's allowed us to take a step back and re-examine well, what is recruiting and what, what is our role to play in this. And we've come across some, what feels to me is some fairly significant revelations. I wouldn't have found otherwise. That's awesome. I'm excited to see how that uh, comes to fruition. For, for example, we participate in the client interviews now. Uh, it kind of boggles my mind that we didn't do this in the in the past, but now we, we sit on all these interviews and we participate with the team in the debrief. And it's really been a wonderful process of seeing how they think and what questions were asked and weren't asked. And it helps us guide both parties so much more effectively. Mm -hmm. um, just to give you an example. I hope everybody's out there doing that. It's a great time for invention and reinvention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great time to um, to rethink everything. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Elon Musk had this uh, quote uh, that music is a limbic system resonator. I'm not sure if that's exactly what, the point being uh, music resonates with the Olympic system. And I got thinking about this and started kind of experimenting with listening to music and thinking about certain things, certain types of problems and changing the music. And I found that to be true. And that has really actually um, accelerated a lot of my reinvention thought process. Uh, so if anybody's trying to figure out how to get themselves into the right brain space for reevaluating things, man, music is incredible for, for getting your mind flowing in a certain way. It's been really interesting. Absolutely, and it gets your it gets your blood flowing as well, um, and all of your emotions. Is there a particular type of music that you listen to when you're thinking of different things? Yeah, so if if it's just thinking, it needs to be something relatively simple and acoustic uh, or instrumental. I mean, so uh, I like Vivaldi, I like piano music, I like Spanish guitar music, um, jazz. Uh, anything that is just a little bit low key but the i also think about different things we do in life like business for example is a little bit like music composition and making all the elements of your business work together like a great melody or a great harmony is what we're all trying to achieve and so there's something about listening to this music and puzzling over okay how am i going to make these parts of my business better and resonate better and how am I going to make the experience of working with my business as a customer similar to listening to this well-composed beautiful music um, and maybe that's just me but I, I get really inspired by that imagery. I think that um, Synchronicity is the perfect book for you to read next. Really? It yeah, it goes along with the, the mindset of the, the flow of business that you are um, and the flow of your mindset that you're, um, you're thinking about. That's the type of book that you're either ready to pick up or you're not, you know, like you might pick it up and go like, what is this crap, you know, and then five years later you go, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, 
just one of those books, but I think that it's a good time. It's a good time for you. Wait, what you just said is so true. You can do a business class for a bunch of college students who don't have business experience and say, well, the customer experience is your first priority. And they think, oh yeah, okay, sure, whatever. That's going to be on the test, right? And then you tell a bunch of seasoned business executives that, and they're like, yes, that is the truth. And they will spend all day like contemplating that thought. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about what you just said about you have to be in the right place to be able to really hear the wisdom Mm-hmm. The right place and the right time. It just has to, you have to have that opening. It has to be exactly, you have to be willing, able, and ready. Yep. yep awesome. Absolutely. Well, TJ, thank you so much for all of your time today. I've really enjoyed the conversation and um, hopefully we'll be able to have a follow-up uh, when times are normal and uh, we'll see, you know, how your business has grown and changed and how the um, world of recruiting is uh, has evolved over time. Thank, Thank you. you so it much. Really fun. It was really fun jamming with you, Steph. Yeah, you too. Um, we'll we'll uh, catch up on our, our book reading in, uh, in a couple of months and see where we are. Cool. And say thank you to the uh, Babbins for me. <laughs> I will. <laughs> thank you. See ya. So what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve, who you'd like to hear from, and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.